0: we did a whole series on the presence of God. And if you weren't with us, <clears throat> you know, when we, when I declare or, or when I pray and when i begin to think about the presence of the Lord, I used to have this understanding uh, that wasn't a correct understanding. But when, when somebody was like the presence of the Lord is here, I, I remember even as a kid, I'd be like, Oh, he just got here. Like, where was he before? And, and, and you know what I didn't understand and what I've come to understand now, is that when the word says his presence dwells in our praises, that doesn't mean that God moved and all of a sudden he's here with us. What that means is through praise, we move our position and we move into an awareness of his presence that when we become aware of him in the room, and do you not act different when somebody is in the room, when, when somebody special walks into, into the room in the natural, do you not start to act a little bit different? Do you, I mean, I, 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 I do. I know I do. I got to have some awesome time this week with, with just a, a, a person that's just had a huge impact on my life. I think we'll be able to see him here soon. But I haven't had time with this guy in years. And he walked into the building on Friday and, and it changed. It, I noticed my entire countenance changed. This guy was like, he's like a father figure to me really in different ways. And he hasn't been here in years. And I was able to walk around the building and say, Hey, come look at this. Look at how we upgraded this room. Look at how we upgraded this room. Let me tell you about how we do service now. I was like a little, I don't know. I was like a little kid, like getting all excited, like showing off for their parents. I act different when certain people walk into the room. When I become aware of the presence of the Lord in the room, man, we start to act different from the inside out. I think we start to process our thoughts differently. We start to think differently about the way things are working in life. And and, and it's just so good. So thank you, Father, for your presence. Even if we don't feel something shift in the natural, it's not a natural thing. It's a spiritual, supernatural thing. And man, I'm so grateful. He is so good to us. Good, good stuff. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, I'm going to jump into this. Chuck, can we get those house lights? I like to see the bright. It wakes you up a little bit, right? We uh, are in part three of this series called Kingdom. And, and, and it was birth. I've said this a few times now. I'm going to keep saying it until I get to this week when we're really going to talk about how, just how reversed the kingdom of God operates from the kingdom of this world. It is... A complete opposite. In the world, the first are first and the last are last. In the kingdom, Jesus said the last are first, the first are last. The world you got to receive and then give. The kingdom says give and then receive. There are so many parts about the kingdom of God that if we allow our thinking to conform to the way the world thinks, we will not understand how the kingdom of God operates. And that means we will not be operating at our full strength, full capacity. You gotta know how something works to operate it. Uh, We've been hanging stuff on the walls here lately at the church, just upgrading different things in the the, the nursing mother's rooms and, and the nurseries and things like that. And I've drilled into these walls over 30 years Two different ways. I've taken a little drill bit with a um, with a a drill bit meant for sheetrock, and through force and pressure, I've drilled into concrete. It destroys the drill bit. It destroys the things. Sometimes you can get in just enough to put something up and sometimes you can't. And then I got this other powered drill. And when you go to Lowe's and you buy the concrete drill bits, you just drill straight into this concrete like nothing. It's so much easier when you know how to operate the tools, when you know how the things work. Life becomes easier. It becomes More simple. Will found a pickaxe in the shed a few weeks ago, took it home, and tried to break up some concrete in his backyard with that pickaxe. I said, I don't think it's going to work, buddy. He says, I'm at least going to try it. It didn't work. You got to have the right tools or you're going to exhaust yourself. When you know how the kingdom operates, you got a tool bag full of the promises of God on the inside that you can then operate in and see victory on a daily basis, on a moment-by-moment basis. So that's why we are going to spend the last three weeks and even a few more talking about how the kingdom operates. We've talked about spirit, soul, and body. We've talked about all kinds of things. Today, I want to talk about two different concepts, but really they flow together. One is from 2 Corinthians 5.20. Paul calls us ambassadors. Ambassadors, and that's very important. I'm going to talk about that here in a second. And then we're going to talk about the words of Jesus where he said, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, talking about the things that so many of us worry about, so many of our concerns in life, he says, will be added to you as you seek the kingdom first. They go hand in hand, and I'm going to tell you why. First, let's read 2 Corinthians 5.20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled. God. All right. Here's a few facts about ambassadors. These are ambassadors in the natural. Ambassadors from a country go into a different country to represent the country they are from. Here we go. Ambassadors are not subject to the rules and laws of the country they live in. So they're living in a country, yet they are subject to the laws of their own country they come from, not where they are living. Does that remind you of Of the words of Jesus, we are in this world, but we are not of this world. The embassies in different countries, the American embassy in Nicaragua is not even considered Nicaraguan soil. It's when you're at the American embassy as a U.S. citizen, it is just like being on American soil, even though technically that embassy is in a different country. They have their own laws, their own authorities. Our citizenship as believers is in the kingdom of God, not this world, the kingdom of man, or anything else. Ambassadors represent the one who sends them. Ambassadors speak the message of the one who sends them. Ambassadors speak with the authority and operate under the authority of the one who sent them. An ambassador needs to be in constant communication with their superiors, with the people who sent them. And an ambassador, like I said, is not subject to the laws or government of the country he or she is living in. I was talking through this with my mom. Man, my mom is a saint. Lisa and I are getting ready for this trip tomorrow. And it's an early flight. And I told Lisa, I feel like we just got back from this last trip. We got a pack today. And, you know, if y'all know me, y'all know I got a list four and a half miles long of things I got to get done for no apparent reason before I leave for this trip. Right? It's a long list and I called my mom and I said, Are "You free today? Will you will you help me with my list?" She came over with gloves. She was cleaning our bathrooms while I was cleaning other areas and packing and I started we were talking even about today's message and I was going over this with her just kind of Asking her, you know, do you want to just listen? If you have anything to add, add this. And I guess my mom has been watching that show called Monk right now. And she's like, oh, yeah, this is great. That was an episode of Monk where there was an ambassador from a different country. And he did something horrible. But because he was an ambassador, they couldn't even arrest him. It was like he was above the law. You should say that. You should say that tomorrow. (laughs) But really, that's an awesome point. Because even, uh, you know, even being a part of the kingdom of God, listen, we do, we make mistakes and and I don't mean we're not subject to the laws of the land. Don't go out there and drive 80 miles per hour on Redbud. You'll get a ticket, right? I'm talking about the laws of this world that operate on things like fear, on things like uh, anxiety. When the world throws anger and bitterness at you and says, this is where we get angry. The law of the kingdom says, no, this is where we turn the other cheek and we, operate in kindness. When this world says, this is the law. Here's the part where we get afraid because the economy is probably making a bad turn. So this is the part where we get afraid and hoard. And our kingdom says, no, no, no. This is the part where we do not be afraid. This is the part where we remember and declare that we got peace, love, and a sound mind. This is the part where we don't hoard. We just keep listening to the one who sent us and let him direct us in whatever it is. We are not subject to the way the world operates. And even when we make mistakes, even when we make mistakes and it's our fault, We are subject to a law in the kingdom that says he will take that mistake and work it for our good if we allow him to move within us. And you know what? I'm just going to choose to be dumb enough to believe that. I'm just going to choose to just believe it, even when it might feel another way or look another way. But we are ambassadors of the kingdom of God. And that's good news. That's good news. So I love when Jesus in Matthew 6 talks about the building blocks of the kingdom. And I promise you this is going somewhere. And I know you've probably heard all this before. You can probably tell me right now what are the building blocks of the kingdom but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's actually from Romans 14. I'm sorry, Romans 14, 17. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, You could even say the kingdom of God is not brick and mortar. The kingdom of God is not anything natural. It's not a place that we all gather and one day all the sinners will be locked out and it'll just be all of us behind a fortified wall. No, we're called to be in this world as long as we are in this world, right? Our kingdom is not brick and mortar, meat or drink but it is righteousness, peace, and joy. Not just joy. We're going old 90s Pentecostal charismatic laughing in the chairs because it's joy in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That, that's the kingdom of God. And in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, Take no thought saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? After all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you have need of these. But seek ye first the kingdom of God, and Jesus reiterates, and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take no thought for tomorrow. Tomorrow will take thought for the things of itself, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. So Paul and Jesus use the same word, when they talked about kingdoms. So let's interchange righteousness, peace, and joy with kingdom. Seek first the righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And then, just in case you thought it was maybe about your own righteousness, Jesus reiterates his righteousness. Seek first the righteousness, peace, and joy, and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. So let's go back to this idea of an ambassador. If an ambassador gets into trouble or if an ambassador is standing faced with an issue from the kingdom or the country they're living in, you've broken the law, you've messed up. And let's say the police or the officer or or the the authorities that be, instead of respecting this person as an ambassador or trying to, to take them in or something, the ambassador would go seek asylum in the American embassy. Remember, it's just like being on American soil. Lisa was telling me uh, just today, I've heard this before, but two different times in her life, in two different countries, she had to go to the American embassy. One time she lost her uh, passport in Nicaragua in the black market, which is an area in Nicaragua, which is, it's pretty rough, uh, this particular area. In fact, they, I mean, there's all kinds of things we could talk about that happened in the black market. Lisa's passport got stolen, and she had to go seek asylum in the American embassy just to make sure. Number one, if anybody were to commit a crime and use that passport, they would immediately have reported it as stolen. She could start going through the process of getting something temporary and getting back home. But she was afraid when she realized she had lost her passport. And she said, when I got to the American embassy, she said, I can't even explain it. When we stepped through the gate and walked in there, it was just like a breath of fresh air. And it was like, I'm home, I'm safe. Even though she hadn't technically left the country, she was home, she was safe. She was surrounded and protected by the laws of her own country and people who are fellow citizens there out to help her get through this hard thing. When she stepped, foot in the American embassy. Now, our kingdom here is not built from brick and mortar or meat and drink, but it is built from righteousness, peace, and joy. So where do we go? Where do we go when the world is facing us and saying, be afraid? This is the part where your anxiety becomes crippling. This is the part where you can't even go out in public because if you do, you know, you're just going to have to go excuse yourself 30 times during dinner and find the nearest restroom. That's what I dealt with for six and a half months after my dad died. What are you going to do? Where are we going to go when the world says, no, 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 this is not how we operate. We go to the kingdom. We go to righteousness. We go to To peace, we go to joy. We go seek asylum in his righteousness. We go and seek asylum in peace. We go and we seek asylum in the joy that is on the inside of every believer. We go and seek asylum in righteousness, peace, and joy. And Jesus told us, just go seek the kingdom first and everything else will be added unto you. You'll be taken care of. You'll be operating in everything you need. Go to his righteousness. So I want to talk about these three things. I mean, we can talk about it all day. Seek the kingdom, right? And we've even broken it down. Seek righteousness. Seek peace. Seek joy. But let's talk about each one of those things. What does it mean? Because if you tell somebody to seek righteousness, probably the average believer is going to hear you say, be good. If you tell the average person, "Go seek righteousness," the average believer might think you're saying, "Oh, okay, go be good, don't sin, don't give in to the things that, that hold me back. Give up the cigarettes, give up the drink and give up the anger, give up all that." That's all positive, right? That's all positive stuff, but that's not what seeking righteousness is about. Because if you're seeking any righteousness on your own, you'll find the exact same thing the Apostle Paul found, and that's that at the very best, our righteousness is about as clean as filthy rags. The good news is that we are made righteous, and we are made right in Jesus, in Christ. And I believe Jesus absolutely on purpose made sure he said, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. He knew why he was here. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Romans 3.22, Even the righteousness of God which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. So how do we become righteous? How do we experience this righteousness? We believe it's that simple. How many believers? Let's see hands because it's feeling kind of draggy in here. We need some hands. Let's get that blood flowing. Put them both up. Stretch. Wave them a little bit. Stretch them back. Come on. Let's get that blood flowing. If you believe you are righteous, so what does it mean to seek righteousness? I believe it's this concept that we hear from the very beginning in the word all the way through the end, we hear a whole lot about this in the Old Testament, make altars, why? So that we remember. Remember what the Lord has done. Remember this is where he rescued you from Egypt. Build this altar, Abraham. Remember this is where, (coughs) excuse me, this is where he supplied the ram for the sacrifice. Remember it every time you see it. Jacob, build an altar. Remember this is where you saw the angels ascending and descending from heaven. Remember, when you read through the Old Testament, man, there are times it feels like every other chapter is just somebody recounting the things the Lord has done for them over and over again. Man, as a New Testament believer, as a New Testament believer, when I remember what Jesus has done for me, when I look to him at all times and seek his righteousness by taking some time sitting down and instead of thinking about my own goodness or badness i just put my mind on him and in my worst moment i say jesus thank you that in my worst moment you are the lamb and you are still worthy jesus in my best moment thank you that it's still all about you and the work you did you are the lamb and you are still worthy do you know what happens paul says in hebrews That when we look to Jesus, we lay aside the sin that so easily besets us. We get it backwards so many times. We think we got to lay aside the sin and then go to Jesus. It's the exact opposite. Remember, this kingdom works the opposite of the way we'll think if we think like the world. We look to Jesus and then the behavior lines up. We look to him. And then things begin to fall in place and in order. That is seeking his righteousness. That is going after him. It's all up here. It's the battlefield of your mind. That's where the fight is. That is where the fight in our life is because this world will say, you messed up. This is where everything goes wrong. Your anger got the best of you. This is where everybody throws you out and and, and writes you off. Your anxiety got the best of you today and it's going to be even worse tomorrow. This is where it happens. Jesus, in all of my shortcomings, the righteousness dwells in me because you dwell in me. And when my flesh experiences anxiety, you are perfect peace. Man. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Seek his righteousness. When we remind ourselves daily and at all times, it is never about us how good or bad we are. It is about Jesus and what he did, what he meant when he said that was finished was it was finished. The work is done, and as we remember that and operate in that victory, males call it seeking asylum in his righteousness. It's like stepping into that embassy. It's like an ambassador stepping into that embassy and saying, all right, all right, I'm taken care of. All right, I'm back where I belong. Let's go into peace. Colossians 3.15 is one of my favorite verses. It says, let the peace of God rule. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which also ye are called in one body and be thankful. You gotta be thankful. But listen, this is one of my favorites because, and some of you have heard me say this, but I'm gonna say it quickly again because it's very important. The word rule is a sports term in the Greek. They were all about the Olympics. They were all about sports. They were all about performance. That word rule is the same word they would use for the referee on the field. The referee is the ultimate authority in the sporting event. The referee stops the game to this day. The referee stops it, starts it, tells somebody they fouled, kicks somebody out of the game, tells them they can continue playing. It's all decisions that the referee makes based on whatever. So Paul uses that word right here on purpose and says, let the peace of God rule your heart. Number one, let the peace of God direct you. If you don't get peace about something as a believer, don't do it. Go after the peace, but also this reminds us that peace is a choice we have to make. Peace is a choice that we have to make as a believer, as an ambassador of the kingdom when we choose peace, we are choosing to take asylum in that embassy. We are choosing to take asylum in that space. So how do we choose peace? Well, I mean, man, that's, that's something we can all probably think about right now. Instead of choosing anger, choose peace. Instead of choosing strife, choose peace. I was talking to uh, Some of these guys, Austin, Will, Virginia, Brittany, Lisa, we were all at church one day. And and I don't remember what happened exactly, but it was a perfectly fine day. And Lisa came in and asked me a question. And I responded in my normal, charming, sarcastic way. And I saw that face that she made at me. And I looked at Austin and Will, who've both been married for less than five years. And I said, and that, fellas, is how you ruin a perfectly fine day. take take note of this moment and this afternoon when you feel like ruining a perfectly good day respond to your spouses this way as well I got lots more lessons I got lots more lessons about marriage Uh, and some of you have a lot more lessons than I do about marriage but that was one of them right I don't care how we get into strife. It's our choice to step in or not. And especially in a marriage relationship or really any relationship. James 3.16 is revelation. If you don't know James 3.16, learn it now and don't forget it. It says that where there's envy and strife, there is confusion and every evil work. Are you confused? Right? Do you feel like every evil work has a foothold in your life? That might correlate to how much strife you allow in your home in your mind, in your marriage, in your relationships. Man, don't be surprised you're not sure what the Lord is saying or where he's saying to go. Don't be surprised when it feels like the enemy's not just facing you and attacking you, but winning, if strife or envy is a normal part of your life. It is written in black and white. It's as plain as it can be. Call it the instruction manual. If you allow envy, if you allow strife, you will confused you will open the door to every evil work it's that simple so how do we allow peace to rule our hearts how do we choose to go to peace choose peace and you know what it does it it allows I think the Lord allows Jesus to have such a foothold you know peace is not the absence of pain Peace is not the absence of hurt. Peace is not the absence of war. Peace is the presence of Jesus. It is the presence of the Savior. The angel appeared to the shepherds and the angel said, peace on earth, goodwill towards man. There was not peace on earth and there hasn't been ever since. There was wars then, there's wars now. There was strife then, there's strife now. He was announcing the arrival of Jesus. And he said, peace on earth, good will towards men. When we choose peace, we are choosing to invite the presence of Jesus into the moment. And every time we choose it as believers, whether it's in our marriage or with our kids. There's a way even to discipline your kids and you can still be operating in peace. Your voice might have to change. You might have a different tone. You might be having a tough talk. But it doesn't have to be chaotic. I mean, sometimes life is chaotic. I mean, sometimes it gets that way with kids. If you're a parent, you've been there. Doesn't mean we can't do a little bit better every time, right? I don't know. Just learn from where you're at and choose peace. Invite the presence of Jesus into the moment by choosing peace. Take asylum in that embassy of the kingdom. By choosing peace, letting it rule your heart. So we do this by remembering Jesus, what He did for us, who He is. By choosing peace, now seeking joy. This is my favorite one, and you know these guys were up here singing about. It. I don't, I don't. Those weren't words that were written down on paper or a part of those songs. But man, Joel was singing. Something about choose joy, let joy overflow. I heard Lisa over here singing, I got this joy and it won't let go. It doesn't matter. As a believer, joy is one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of you. It's something you can experience at any time. It's something we can call up. We can call out. We can step into it. Just like peace, Psalm 1611. Man, David wrote this and it's great. You will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. First Chronicles 16, 27, glory and honor. Glory and honor are in your presence. Strength and gladness are in your place. Man, I I mentioned this just briefly as we started, but the Bible says his presence dwells in our praises. Again, that doesn't move his position. He is a, uh, in a fixed position. The presence of the Lord is here. We probably have known that since we were kids. If you're believers, you say, I know God's with me. He's here with me right now, right? We know we don't have to go find him on a mountain. We don't have to go find him even in a sanctuary. He's with us wherever we at. But our praises change our position and our awareness, and we step into a place of his presence that is different than when we are not aware. And according to the word, we find fullness of joy in that moment. It's like two magnets or something. It's like that joy that's resident on my born again spirit and that joy that's found in his presence just have this reaction together. I don't know, maybe it's more like a Diet Coke with a Mentos or something. It has a reaction and it just starts to bubble up. And then it's up to us. How far do you want to go? How much of a foothold do you want to let that joy have in your life? Because we can realistically just be joyful if we'd like. Right? Sorrow comes our way. We're no strangers to that. It was this week, six years ago, when my dad passed away, July 8th. A lot of us have walked through sorrow together over the years, but we have a promise that it doesn't, that might last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. And even in our sorrow, we know we have a savior who he himself experienced sorrow and was known as the man of constant sorrows. And the word says that about him. The word also says that the oil of gladness was poured out on him more than any other. So man, as long as we're here on earth, we're gonna experience all of it, everything. But I can tell you from experience, there is a joy even in the sorrow. And the opposite, there's even a sorrow in the joy. Like I, even now, six years later, when I, I can only describe it, it doesn't happen as often as it used to, but when a wave of sadness or emotion hits me over losing my dad even six years ago it's sorrowful but there's even a part about me that rejoices a little bit when I feel that because realistically it's the only times I realistically remember how much I loved him because that's what you're missing in that moment I'm missing the warm embrace his laugh the goofy stuff all of it and you realize how much and there's sorrow but there's also this joy because you're like man You were great, and I get to see you again one day. There's a joy from the past. There's a joy for the future. There's a joy in the present. It's there. And there's not human words or or ways to communicate or express even what it fully means to say that there's joy in the sorrow or sorrow in the joy. But I can just tell you there is. There is. And when we go to his presence in whatever moment it is, that joy on the inside of us begins to bubble up. It begins to rise up and even overflow into our our, our mind, this world. It becomes contagious even for those around you. Man, I'd much rather be around a bunch of joyful people than a bunch of depressed people, right? And you know what? Jesus was joyful. Jesus was joyful. The other side of that is that we are a community. We love each other and we walk through it all together. And we're just happy to do it. We help each other get out. We help each other get in. We're all all around it all with each other. (laughs) Choose joy. And how do we do it? How do we go to his presence? Through praise. We enter his presence. Courts with thanksgiving in our heart, enter his gates with praise. What is praise? It's an expression of thankfulness. I could praise you. I, well, you know, Lisa, you're an awesome wife. You're such a great mother. You cooked spaghetti so well this week. That's praising Lisa, right? That's telling her how thankful I am for her. And I, I really am. I have an awesome wife. Man, we praise the Lord the same way. Do you see how all of these things, seek first the kingdom, righteousness, his righteousness, peace and joy, all of it, all three of these things are basically just about going to Jesus, going to him by remembering who he is, what he's done, what he's brought us out of. Going to him by inviting peace, which is Jesus, his presence into the moment by choosing peace. Inviting his presence into the room through praise and experiencing that joy in his presence. Do you know what it does? It makes earth around you look a whole lot more like heaven on earth. And what did Jesus even tell us to pray? But on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There are so many ways we could talk about what does that mean to bring heaven to earth. But here's a very simple thing. If it doesn't belong in heaven, it was never meant to be on earth. And if we are encountering whatever it is on earth that does not belong here, start by seeking his kingdom, remembering who he is, choosing peace, choosing joy over everything else. And watch the world around you Look more like the kingdom than it ever has and watch that overflow into your home first and foremost, into the place you work, into the streets of your city, into the world, wherever it is you go, it's got to start here. We can't go out and decide we're gonna make a a huge impact. I'm gonna change my city. I'm gonna change the place I work, but on the inside we're still doing the exact thing, letting the same strife in, letting the same fear and anxiety in, no right here on the inside, with yourself, starting in you, make a change and seek his kingdom first and then watch it more naturally flow through you and make more of a difference than you've ever seen in your life all around you. Amen? Amen. Listen, I know this is a very simple truth, but it blessed me so much this week just thinking through these things and remembering that how simple It can be to seek the kingdom and then the powerful truth that all this stuff that this world says to worry about will just be added to me as I do that. Man, what a good reminder. I needed to hear it, right? Because if you're watching the news I mean, you're just, we're seeing all kinds of things right now. You're hearing all kinds of things about our economy. You're hearing about uh, wars, rumors of wars and, and germs and diseases and whatever. It's always been like that. That stuff's always going to be around till Jesus comes back. But how do we, rise above the fear that would try to cripple us because of it? How do we rise above the anxiety? How do we rise above the anger that the news might cause or that the world, uh, acting like the world might cause within us? How do we rise above that and respond the way Jesus did? We seek first the kingdom. We remember that it's always about his righteousness. We choose peace every time. And then we activate joy by go into his presence and watch it. Watch yourself begin to operate in more joy than you've ever imagined. Man, I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in my family. When Lisa and I sometimes have, on purpose, we have conversations where it, it, we evaluate seasons of life and we say man this has happened on a normal basis over the past 19 years man we have really just let strife have a foothold in our life these past few weeks these past few months doesn't matter why doesn't matter if it's just a a busy season doesn't matter if there's changes all around us doesn't matter the reason we take time we evaluate We usually have to kind of get away from the kids for a while. We got to get away. We got to go have a dinner or something like that. But we take time. We evaluate and we say, we have been letting this in lately. We got to put our foot down. This is it. When we have those conversations together, we see a difference. It makes an impact. If you are married or even if you have a close friend, the Bible says, confess your sins one to another. I think that's a little bit less about what our Catholic brothers and sisters call confession. I think it's a little bit more about just sitting down with somebody you trust, being honest and saying, I've been struggling lately. I've been letting strife in like nobody's business. Maybe you've been operating in jealousy. Man, this I, happen. I saw this happen to my friend, and I just got to tell you, I got to talk to somebody I'm jealous. Man, when you say some of those things out loud, especially to somebody who loves you, it creates an open road for the Holy Spirit just to come in and minister to that part of you. And I believe you can see healing immediately and make decisions that will allow peace and joy to have that reign in your life instead of strife and envy. I believe with all my heart we've experienced it. So man, thank you, Jesus, for your word. I'm gonna invite the worship team to come up as we close. We're going to respond doing the exact things we just talked about. We're going to choose to put our attention and our focus on him just for a few more minutes. As we close, we're just going to worship. Thank you, Jesus. We'll have our prayer ministers come up afterwards, and they can pray with you and agree with you on anything. It's a holiday weekend. Listen, I hope you have an awesome time. I hope you all have tomorrow off, and you get to rest a little bit, and you get to see fireworks. and spend some time with your family, grill out burgers, have fun, relax. That's important to do in life as you do it. Man, set aside some time and spend it with the Lord. Man, go to the word and and, and seek his kingdom. Remember how to do it. Go to that embassy, right? Remember, it's not made of brick and mortar. It is righteousness, peace, and joy. Go to the word and remember how good Jesus is. And read about what he did for you. Choose peace throughout the day when anything else is on the menu. If if anger or frustration is on the menu, choose peace. Let peace rule that moment. You can make that choice. You can make that choice. You got self-control because you got the Holy Spirit. You got patience because you got the Holy Spirit. You're kind because you got the Holy Spirit. No more, you don't have any more excuses as a believer. You can't just say, I'm not a patient person. I'm just not, I I gotta do, no, no. You're patient just like Jesus was. You're kind just like Jesus was. It's on the inside. You just gotta choose it. Choose joy when anything else is on the menu. Go to His presence and allow that joy to activate. Man, thank you, Jesus. I know it's a very practical message today, but take it, run with it, remember it, remind yourself. Get that picture of an ambassador going to an embassy, seeking asylum where it's safe, where you're surrounded by, by people who love you. As an ambassador of the kingdom, you're not seeking a building. You're seeking His righteousness. Peace and joy in the Holy Ghost always available at all times no matter what thank you father for your word thank you for your truth we're so grateful for who you are we're so grateful for what you're saying to us so grateful that the kingdom you gave us is not built from anything that will pass away but it is built from this eternal place wall-to-wall joy wall-to-wall peace Thank you that in our weakness, you are strong. In our sorrow, you are our joy. You turn our mourning into dancing. You bring life and freedom to every day. Like Joel said, today can be our independence day can be the day we get set free. I thank you, Lord, that you are in the business of setting free. Where your spirit is, there is freedom. So I thank you that as we worship and as this service closes, as we do exactly what we've been talking about, as we go to you, as we go to your presence, man, our bodies will line up with the word that says, by your stripes we are healed. Our minds will line up with the word says we have a sound mind that where thoughts haven't been uh, able to be put together we'll begin to see things clearly and find order where there was depression we just declare that joy will rise up where depression has been trying to to take hold and take root in our minds we just declare your joy and your freedom. We're so grateful. Amen. Hey, let's all stand and worship for a few